Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the Motor Mouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. Now, we are delighted to be officially partnering up with the Brain Tumor Charity. It's a cause we care deeply about and through our specially dedicated podcasts uncovering those within the motorsport community who've been affected by these devastating diagnoses, fundraising events and generating awareness, we'll all be moving further and faster to help every single person affected by a brain tumor for more details on how you can help just check the link in the podcast description or head to the brain this season we're delighted to be teaming up with grid rival now if your football mates are constantly going on about their fantasy leagues well now you can get your own back and create your own racing fantasies thanks to grid rival including f1 and moto gp you can select your own team and drivers interact with other fans and join or create your own leagues where you can trade on the go to make sure you have the ultimate lineup for each race if you're as obsessive about motorsport as we are make sure you get set up on grid rival today head to their website it's gridrival.com or download their app from your app store 2021 leagues go live in february so now is the perfect time to strategize and make sure you get a jump start by downloading the app and getting notified for when they do as the motorsport season begins to ramp up Hello everyone, Tim Sylvie here. Now before we introduce today's guest, I need to head south and slightly east to Essex, the land where the first ever hot and cold drinks dispenser was invented in Saffron Walden in 1696 by Henry Winstanley, a notable local inventor who actually is more famous for building the original Eddystone Lighthouse that same year. 
Mr. Winstanley has a sculpture garden in his honour that still stands today in Piccadilly in London. However, we are not here to talk about interesting dispensers. No, we're here first of all to introduce my co-host and colleague, Harry Benjamin. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You know, this is probably the one podcast where Essex facts ha- have actually some more relevance than they normally do. And we'll reveal that when we re- introduce mm, our guest. Yes, indeed. Um, but apart from that, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I've actually decided to become TikTok famous. Um, so <laughs> yes. ne- nearly 100,000 views. So... Uh, in one post. So th- in one post. This is know, mental. Man, so we, Harry started doing TikTok and um, we share those TikToks on our Instagram Reels, which is a new feature that Instagram have rolled out. And as of time of recording, it, it has 95,000 views oh, and thousands really? of comments. So by the time this is released, it'll probably be over 100,000, which is ridiculous for our first ever Instagram Reel. So well it's done, you. Basic, it's the most basic thing as well. I just don't understand it. But hey, if it makes me, I bet that will make me what one pound fifty two probably um, in in yep. profit. But yeah, hey, maybe if every lucky. little helps. Yeah. Um, shall I introduce today's guest? Yeah, let's do it. So today we're joined by Alex Lynn, who becomes our latest Formula E guest and completes our Mahindra landslide after we also interviewed his season seven teammate Alexander Sims and of course his new boss, Dilbag Gill, who did very well, incidentally, in our quiz. He's a man who's excelled in single seaters and sports cars. He's an endurance racer who can count the famous Le Mans and Nürburgring 24 hours within his ample achievements. He's reached the very top of all electric racing, competing in Formula E, where he now resides, as we said, with Mahindra. He's a former a GP3 champion, winning by a record margin, GP2 multiple race winner, and has the rare pleasure of being a development driver in Formula One for Williams. To top it all off, much like my bearded colleague, he's also from Essex. Alex Lynn, welcome to the Motormouth Podcast. Thank you very much, guys. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Like two Essex lads on it. Yeah, it's not. Whereabouts in Essex are you from? Uh, a little town called Dunmo. It's just. Uh, oh. I don't know if you know that. Is that like, I think that's more proper, that's proper Essex. I always feel like I'm in the sort of, I'm in the Towie end of Essex, you know, like Loughton and places like that. That's where uh, I'm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you, I used to hang out there a lot when I was younger. Um, oh. I went to school in, in Harlow, of all places. But yeah. then, uh, not this in Harlow, but um, <laughs> no, I had a lot of mates who like, we hung out in, um, in Chigwell, in Loughton. And oh, yeah, so, I went yeah, to school yeah. in Chigwell. Okay, so what's called did you go to? Chigwell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, mad. Well, there we go. We could talk about Essex, but no, we won't. Um, well, first of all, we, we've covered off the where's home, so we've done that. Um, but let's do the lockdown life. Uh, it's a question we always ask. Everyone is experiencing, obviously, a bit differently. I suppose you've been able to get out a little bit for, for Formula E towards the back of the last year, but we're back in another lockdown as we record this. How have you uh, how have you been navigating it all your end? I mean, it's, uh, it's all pretty pretty boring isn't it let's be fair uh first lockdown i went back to essex uh, went back to see my family we quickly drove each other up the wall <laughs> so i um moved back to london uh where i currently am now but like you said it's it's a bit weird because we can still go and work in the sim and go to the factory when we need to uh i was still able to train um in the gym with my trainer so that's really lucky as well so in fairness like most people you're still allowed to work just not have any fun, I guess. That's yeah. Long and short of it. Yeah, it's pretty rubbish, isn't it? The whole thing. But let's not dwell on blooming coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> let's rewind and go right back to the start. Where, where did this motorsports um, bug come from, if you like? Where, where did it, where did it all hinge? Is it is it in the family? Where did it all start? I guess the answer is sort of. It was in the family. So when I started, I started racing motocross. That was my first love. Um, and my dad did that. Um, Motocross as in, uh, as in motorbikes. Yeah. Yeah. So So like 
proper off-road dirt bike him. That's um, what um, we, uh, Blundell did. Was it Mark Blundell? He did it as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, and actually, my first dream was to go and race Supercross in America. So when I was really young, that's what I really wanted to do. Um, and then somehow it switched, you know, like it always does. You go to your local go-kart track, try that out. And I think um, by some mistake, my dad decided me to get me a go-kart for Christmas. It was a second-hand uh, Yamaha zip car. And um, oh, wow. the rest is history. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of years later, we are where we are now. Um, so, <laughs> the logical yeah. path from there to Formula E. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, so F1 was never on the cards then initially, or, you know, because that's, that's often the aim for a lot of young racing yeah. drivers, isn't it? And, and obviously things like Formula E probably weren't really, they weren't, didn't exist then. So what was it F1? When was it F1? Well, I, I guess as soon as I started karting, mm. seriously, then it was, um, well, I mean, I guess, yeah, you've always got a little bit of a dream of going to F1 when you're in karting. But I think the first time I really um, thought, okay, I could, I could do this was uh, when I won the British Formula Renault Championship. Mm. Um, that was sort of the first thing that thought, okay, this could have a chance here. And you yeah, won you that won. by a canter, didn't you? I mean, that was ridiculous. Winning yeah. 12 out of 20 race starts. Did, did you just think, holy crap, this is a piece of cake. This this is easy. <laughs> um, that, that, was, that was a pretty cool year. Um, but I guess we were just in a bit of a groove. And it's ne- it never feels like that, you know. And you say it every single New Year's Eve. It's like every, this year is the biggest year. And it always is. Next race is always the biggest one. Um and I guess that won't stop until till you retire. But um, yeah, no, that that was a cool year. But that, like I said, that was the first time I really thought, okay, this could be, this could be okay. Bet your parents were thinking, oh God, here we go. Is it? This is this is remortgage the house time. Forget the bank balance. Is this this has got disaster written all over it? I uh, luckily that day or that year, I um, I got signed up by Mercedes to go to Formula Three. So actually. Sort of the success helped out quite a bit, um, so that helped out quite a lot, really, with um, with the, like you said, those issues. And actually, ever since then, I've managed to stay on a program since then, so that was cool. And then making your up, you know, making your way up through through the ranks, and then you are sort of steadily progressing towards towards Formula One, going through. You know, we we talked about oh, you did Macau as well in 2013, GP3, and absolutely smashed that championship. What was it like winning the title in GP3, and obviously under the eyes of so many important people? Yes, uh, like you said, actually, those 12 months, um, I managed to, within 12 months, I managed to win the Macau Grand Prix, signed with Red Bull a week later, and then in that time, win GP3. Um, I got my first F1 test as well. So actually, yeah, that was that was a pretty crazy 12 months. Um, and sort of, I guess, sometimes drivers do go through a, a little bit of a golden patch when they can't do any wrong. Um, that was sort of my my time and mm. yeah that was cool but obviously at that moment that was like okay now you you actually at that moment you believe it's going to happen yeah. it's like in no part of you do you think you're not going to go all the way at that moment can, can you talk to us yeah. a bit about how it was being a part of that Red Bull junior program? Because we've had, you know, way back to when we've had Karun Chandok on the show, who spoke about his experiences, Brendan Hartley and his sort of turbulent time with Red Bull in and out, in and out. Mm. How have you sort of, how did you find your experience with, with them and, and their driver management scheme? Um, I personally loved it. And the, re- the reason why was I was, I was in and out in a year, um, but even though I won my championship, but to be fair, I, 
I did understand because that was the year that, um, so there's only three of us on the junior team that year. It was me, Carlos Sainz and Pierre Gasly. And that year, me and Carlos both won our respective championships. He won World Series and Pierre finished second in that. So there was a bit of, um, shall I say, there was a difficult year to be in the junior team. Mm, Um, And that year was the year that uh, they signed Max Verstappen to go straight to F1. (laughs) Uh, So I remember where I was when, like to the day where Helmut called me up and said, yeah, uh, Max Verstappen's going to F1. I was like, okay, well, that is what that is. Um, but actually, in general, what was so cool about Red Bull was for the first time, you do realize that if you do go and do what you want to do, which was always to win, the chance will open up. Um, and that, you know, there's, there's nothing like, how can I describe it? There's no, there's nothing that really lights that fire inside you with knowing that your dreams are fully possible now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing that really lights that inner desire to go and win quite like that. Um, You know, I was quite a lot younger then. So being a young guy, I mean, it's the best feeling in the world, actually. Just every single moment you wake up, it's only dedicated to to performance. Your whole life is wrapped around that. And that was a really, really cool cool time in my life, actually. It's, um, to Harry's point, I think with with Karun, excuse me, he said, uh, when we asked him about it, he was like, well, it's a great program if you perform. So all you got to do, you just got to perform and you'll be a success with Red Bull. The only people who don't plow forward with Red Bull are the ones who don't perform. It's a very simple formula. Um, so, you know, it kind of makes sense when you think about it. And like you say, you were going through this, this sort of purple period at the time. The, the F1 test, tell us about that and how that came about. And also, I've asked a few people this, and it's interesting to get different perspectives on it. What was your emotion or the feelings that you, you experienced the first time you drove an F1 car? So that came around. It was in, it was in a Lotus. Um, it wasn't actually in a in a Red Bull car or a Torosa car. Um, so yeah, it was after the GP three last round in Abu Dhabi. Uh, wrapped up the championship in qualifying. Um, so yeah, we had two good races. Nothing. Uh, but my head was a bit like you know, okay, I've, I've done what I needed to do. Um, and then it was Sunday evening, very late in the evening. Um, I got in for, got asked, you know, what's your plans over the next two days? And I was staying to go and do the GP2 test in, like, in Abu Dhabi the next, next few days, but after the F1 test. And um, subsequently got invited um, to drive the Lotus for half a day, which was really last minute, wasn't planned. Um, I shared the day with Esteban Ocon. And yeah, I managed to get the, the evening, the night, the night running, which was really cool. And to describe it is, it, it is as cool as you think. I mean, it's the, the moment you've been dreaming of um, and to get to get the chance and everything is so cool. Um, and obviously that that year, that Lotus wasn't particularly um, fast. It was yeah. the the twin, I guess oh, the twin God. Tusk car. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that was 2014, Ma- yeah. Yeah, Matthew yeah. Carter era, wasn't it? Um, yeah, Grosjean and Maldonado were the drivers. Yeah. Um, and I was, in, I was in Maldonado chassis, I think. Um, but yeah, what was really cool, it was a nice moment when, you know, you give your initial feedback and you're trying to be really professional, you know, the team's like, okay, so um, how do you describe the balance? And obviously the car was that year, not, not a great one. It, I said, oh, it's mega. <laughs> and that's, and actually to be fair, it was nice because I think everyone, like, cause I think that they'd had like a, they'd had a long year. And I think for someone just to really come and say, that was mega. Yeah. Felt fantastic. I think that was like quite a nice way to end, end that season obviously a, a great feeling for me 
as well. And it did. It did feel mega because obviously it's a Formula One car. It's the um, everything is built to some, you know someone's perfection, yeah. uh, and it did feel awesome. So uh, it wasn't the end of the road though for you and and your relationship with F1 just yet, despite also you know coming out of the Red Bull program because you then joined not long after the Williams program and becoming a development driver. Talk to us about your journey to to Williams and, and how you look back at, at your your time there. Yeah, that was a really actually big part of my life, um, a big part of my career. So. I was still technically with Red Bull at the time because we were still like umming and ahhing about what's going to happen. Um, will I stay or not? Um, and then I got the chance to, to go to, to Williams. And so I had to uh, ask Helmet. I said, look, I'm, I'm going to go. Or is it okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay. We would already discussed it. Uh, that there was, you know, that was the way it needed to go. So that was, uh, I managed to sign for Williams. And at that moment, they were on a, Obviously, also on a really strong patch. They just finished third in the constructors with the 2014 car, um, and I think they were looking really seriously, like what what can we do now with really bringing um, bringing a young driver on? And I was lucky enough that I got the got the nod. And actually, then for the next two years of my life, it fully consumed me. I swiftly left Essex to move to Oxford, got myself a little flat, and almost. Daily, I was in the simulator, um, traveled to a lot of events, um, got quite a few track tests in the car, which was really special. Um, and yeah, that, that was like my real, um, the time in Formula One where I like actually really um, was immersed, shall I say. Yeah. And then um, let's talk Formula E, where we find you now. When did that championship first register on your radar? Before you answer that, can I just say that I've really pulled out the starts today and Thanks to Formula oh, E supplying yeah. the, the free hoodie. Uh, really appreciate that as, as a commiseration prize for not getting uh, all the way to the end of that bloody talent call. <laughs> they sent me a Formula E hoodie. <laughs> so uh, I thought, seeing as we have a Formula E driver for today's show, I thought I'd better, better uh, get it out. Did you get anything else? Oh, yeah, I got a nice... They could send you a whole like goodie box of stuff. You got a little model car, a notebook. Yeah, oh. got a nice... Some, some hashtag merch. We'll, we'll, we'll need to do some of that. Oh. Um, <laughs> but speaking of Formula E, they're getting a hell of a hashtag ad out of this. <laughs> um, yeah, Alex, how's... Yeah, Formula E for you, when did it come on the radar? That first came on my radar in 2016. I tested oh. for Jaguar. Uh, I think that was at the start of season three for them. 2016, yeah. yeah. Uh, I get confused by their seasons. Yeah, that's they've right. Both, they've used both they years and the dates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds right. The first season of Jaguar competing, I was involved in a little bit of testing with them. So that was the first time that um, that came on my radar. And did you think that's really cool or that's really crap? Because a lot of people, when it first came around, were, were like, what, it, what on earth is this? Did you think there's an opportunity here? Let's, let's look into this more. What were your first thoughts? I think most people would be would be lying if they said they really could see where it is now, you know, when it started. I think in the end, I don't think any of us were, were clever enough to <clears throat> to see where it was going to go, me included. Uh, but to be fair, it's rapid rise and the manufacturers involved. I think as a racing driver, you always want to be involved with big manufacturers. Yeah. You want to represent the, the biggest brands and the coolest brands. Um, and certainly when I got chance to test for jag that that was obviously a really cool brand yeah um, and something that i really wanted to try and do uh, so from then on really i was like this is a really cool championship you know things are happening here yeah if i got the chance to come here i would uh, i'd be really happy and, and and in 2017 was that the year that you were dovetailing with weck with aston martin 
Yes. So how yeah. how's that for a? I mean, jumping from a Formula E single seater all electric car into an Aston Martin sports car, how do you manage that? Is that an easy thing for you to do, or is it difficult to jump from one to the other? Um, I think at the start I found it actually a little bit tougher than I did in the end um, because also they were like two big programs you know Aston Martin's a factory program and then when I was a virgin that was a you know a big operation um, so I think it, it does it does pull on your um, your own resources if you know what I mean you know your mental resources and uh, your time commitments and stuff so I think for sure um, I had to get used to it but in terms of driving that that wasn't really an issue because they were like so far apart in driving mm. technique that once you slipped into the other car, you would plug and play really. Uh, for me, the biggest thing getting used to it was just the commitment to being part of two really big racing programs and um, yeah, just the mental capacity that has to go into that. And and with Formula E, I mean, you had a, a pretty a pretty good start to uh, your Formula E career, didn't you? When you, when you hopped in the, the uh, Virgin, it was New York, wasn't it? The, the doubleheader at New York. And you stuck it on pole. W- w- was that, you know, did you expect that? Because a lot of people you see in Formula E when new drivers come in, you kind of either sink or swim. And, and it's, they're difficult cars. You've really got to get your head around them to begin with. But you you clearly were straight out of the bat on top of it. Yeah, I um, I wouldn't say I expected it, but I did, ex- I did expect to be fast because I was lucky enough that we'd done a bit of testing, a lot in the sim, and I'd had like a big preparation because I was a reserve driver for that mm. year. Um, so I'd done a lot of stuff in the background. So I guess I, I, I was also very determined to be, um, to sort of make a surprise, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I like you said, no, no one really expects that. But I think there was quietly within, within the Virgin team, we were like, okay, we do actually think we can go and do something. There was a new track for everyone, new location, um, I'd been quick in testing in the car, so I was like, okay, cool. I think we can do something here, and mm. yeah, I think mean, we managed to do that, which was pretty cool. Yeah, was that the, was that the same time that Gasly joined for like a one-off yeah, race, yeah, and then yeah. he like he crashed, but still managed to finish P four or something like that. Yeah, but he was really quick on the second day. Like, I think yeah, he, he went to Super Bowl, and I think I think maybe messed up the Super Bowl lap, but it was like purple, purple in the first two. So like. Should have been on pole on day two. Like he was really quick. Yeah. Well, what is, when you look at the amount of drivers who have either you know done seasons or one-off drives in Formula E, it's, it's mad how many how many have done it, and then you know all, from all walks of, of the motorsport world. Um, but then sort of your relationship sort of came to an end. But you managed to bounce back into Formula E at the end of last season with Mahindra, and then obviously dovetailing with other, other bits as well. How's that been for you coming out of the DS version and then going on? Yeah, I mean, actually, I've been in and out twice now. I came back yeah. in with Jag, and then I back in with, with Mahindra. Um, <laughs> you lose track um, after a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm really trying to stop being the at Sam Allardyce of Formula <laughs> That's really, yeah. I knew you tested with Jag, and I was like, oh, as I was saying Mahindra, I was like, no crap, he's yeah, definitely yeah. raced with someone else as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Sam Allardyce of Formula E. There is definitely uh, memes in there somewhere. We've got to no, go. No, no, don't, don't start that one, because I'm trying desperately to <laughs> squash that. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's, I've been trying really hard to come back full-time. Um, and every it, it is hard to um, come in mid-season and score good points. But to be fair, both times now with Jag and Mahindra, I managed to do it. Um, so I felt very unlucky, actually, in the year with Jag. We, we were on for a really good finish in New York and car broke down, unfortunately. But yeah, now coming back into Mahindra full-time, I think now I feel very comfortable mm. to have a really good season, actually. I think we've got a very strong car. Um, so now... Yeah. We want to put everything to practice. Find that you're definitely Alex and 
your teammate is Alexander and there's absolutely no, it can't be called anything else. <laughs> I mean, I've called him many things, but... <laughs> <laughs> Because well, one one of our briefs when we had uh, Mr. Sims on the show was that he's definitely Alexander. Do not call him Alex. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. No, no that's um, that's definitely where we're at these days. Yeah, <laughs> I, f- I feel like uh, Mahindra's got to be our team for season seven. Harry, we we've had the full complement on now. We've got the, both drivers. We've had uh, Dillbag on, who's who's a serious character. So I think we're definitely going to have to be cheering on the uh, the two Brits in uh, in season seven. Um, is it is it possible, Alex, for you? to to set any expectations for season seven i think i think honestly in mahindra we're quietly confident and i feel i i think what i like about myself and mahindra being together right now is we there's a deep hunger from both sides to achieve what we haven't already achieved and believe what we what we should achieve and that is to win trophies uh score big points um, and yeah, to be honest, we want to be challenging to try and win races. Um, you know, where that leaves us in the championship, I don't know, but certainly I'll be disappointed if we don't pick up a few trophies this year. That, that honestly yeah. is where, where we want to be fighting and where I do believe we, we should be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks quite promising in, in, uh, in pre-season. Were you, were you already friends or knew or had worked with Alexander previously, or is this the first time you, you've paired up? No, we... The first time we'd ever drew, uh, sort of, I did the Nürburgring 24 hours with, um, he was in BMW and I was in BMW, but he was in Rover racing, I was in Schnitzer. But to be honest, we've known each other for a while. I raced against each other in Formula 3 and stuff. Um, so yeah, actually we've known, we've known of each other for a while. Um, we got on well. A quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsors, Grid Rival. Grid Rival is an absolute must for any racing fan. I've been looking to join Fantasy Motorsport Leagues for ages, and Grid Rival does that and so much more with an experience like no other. Real time fantasy games, the best content, and a community of fans. Grid Rival is a must for 2021. Get ready for the motorsport season with Grid Rival today. Fantasy Leagues go live in February, but make Make sure you head to their website, gridrival.com, or download their app from your app store so you're in pole position for when they do. And is the is the relationship, I'm curious about the, the, the inter-team relationships between the drivers. Obviously in Formula One, it can be super competitive unless you're Lance... Um, uh, sorry, unless you're not Lance Stroll, unless you're Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz, um, it, it can, people can butt heads very quickly and very easily. Is it exactly the same in Formula E, or is there? A, it just somehow feels like there's a bit more sharing, a bit more openness between the two drivers. Is that fair to say? Um, I think. I mean, it is in all. Also, I mean, even down in karting, you know, you need to be your teammate. I mean, it goes without saying. I think, though, the mark of a good driver pairing is one where it goes without saying when the helmet's on and the visor's down, you'll do anything to beat each other. Mm. That, that has to go without saying. But when it's off, you know, we're all old enough and ugly enough to know that without each other working together, we won't get to beat everyone else. So that bit, I think, is the where it needs to come to because um, obviously the competition is, it, of course, you need to beat the other one. Mm. That, that's, that's the first thing. Would you say that having, you know, coming up through the ranks and, and worked in Formula One as well, we, you know, it's always remembered almost as an afterthought that, yes, it's also a team sport. It's not, you know, just, just about the drivers. Would, would you say that Formula E actually more than other motorsport categories is actually really reliant on, on being a team more so than perhaps, you know, F1 might be on the face of it? I, I do believe so, actually, because you are so reliant on um, 
everyone doing their job. Uh, but also, there's a large part of when the car starts to race, you are so reliant on the information that other people have loaded into the car. Um, and you, you really have to trust it uh, 100% of what's gone on. But the only way you do that is by building trust and building uh, friendships even um, during the season, but also in pre-season, you know, long, long days in the simulator, really gelling as a team. Um mm with your race engineer because he in the end your race engineer is the team captain and he's got to try and orchestrate the whole team or your your car crew with the best result after the 45 minutes plus one lap and to do that it takes so many moving pieces and at one point a bit my job is just to drive as fast as i can and to execute what we've talked about and there's so many people in the background that have to program everything else yeah the car to do what it should do um so, yeah, I think Formula E is by far the category I've competed in the most where it's reliant on the whole team working as a complete unit. And and actually, as you've raced you know, previously in Formula E, as we've alluded to a couple, a couple of times on and off, you've, you've experienced both generations of the car, um, or Gen 1 and Gen 2. First of all, how's, how's that change been for you having raced both? But also, more importantly, do you miss jumping in and out of the cars um, halfway through a race? <laughs> No, I don't, because I think being <laughs> quite a bit taller is... is yes. Uh, well, how tall was, are you? 6'1". Uh, oh, that's not... Yeah, that's, that's, that's hard. Good height. Yeah, it, it wasn't ideal. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't miss... To be honest, I don't miss the Gen 1 car. The Gen 2 car is a huge step. Um, yeah. Like it's a, it's a proper racing car now, in a sense of it does think... It does exactly what you want it to. Um, they, they look as well you know they look like beasts yeah. when you just see a, yeah. a picture of them or anything like that yeah they look yeah. good no it's a, it's a proper race car now the gen 2 so for me yeah that's uh, that was a big step up and also the enjoyment went up a lot when we when we got that car as well that was really cool and you, you mentioned at the the top of the show that you you've been able to go into the factory a little bit and and continue with some sort of normality um dilbag gill he's a hoot we've had him on the show he was loads of fun What's it? Have you had much interaction with him? Has that been possible? And, and how's it been working with him? Yeah, I actually just got off the phone with him like a couple of hours ago. We had a nice little chat. Um, no, I've had great fun with Dilbeg. I think ever since I joined the team, I was, I was uh, super happy to be here. And I'm very impressed of how, because it's a big team now. Mm. You know, we've got a big, big factory, big facility. And it's, um, but it's funny how no matter who you are with in the team, there isn't a day that doesn't end where you your jaw isn't um, you know tired because you've been laughing and smiling. You know everyone everyone's having a good time, obviously whilst having a deep determination to win. Uh, but that's testament to the deal bag and the team's ethos to to instill that um, you know the camaraderie and the and the friendliness that the team has. Yeah, yeah, he he was good value. Seemed like a, a nice chap to work for. Now we're going to interrupt proceedings because um, there comes a point in every podcast that we do where we we challenge our guests to a little quiz. And actually, Dillbag did incredibly well. Um, so uh, I'll hand over to Harry to introduce our um, very challenging Motormouth quiz. Over to you, our boy. Yes, Alex Lynn, welcome to Motormouths, the hardest quiz in motorsport because the rules vary depending on how we're feeling and the <laughs> questions change every single time we have a show. But you should uh, bear reasonably well because all the questions are about or related to you or something you are familiar okay. with. Now, there are 14 points up for grabs. If you get 14 or perhaps half a point more if we're feeling generous, you will go to the top of the leaderboard. Uh, but also it means you tie with 
your teammate Alexander Sims and Dilbag Gill. So uh, there's really no point in looking at anybody else on the leaderboard no. because those are the two you've got to beat, and they're at the top of the leaderboard. Okay. Um, so you've really got to pull it, pull it out of the bag. Are you ready for your first question? Of course I am. Yeah. Uh, your first question is actually a clip that we're going to play you. So have a listen to it and then uh, think about what's going on, what's happening, where and when. Here we go. Clip number one. And Lynn is through and there might be contact and it is in a big way. Lynn and Sorokin making contact into the first chicane. Yeah, thanks, guys. You're welcome for that one. It's number one when you type Alex Lynn into YouTube. So uh, <laughs> He now hates us. What's going on there? And that was me outbreaking myself ever so slightly in, uh, in Monza 2015. Correct, correct. Is that one of those moments correct. where you're, you're just, you hit the brakes and you just think, oh no, here we go. What happened there? To be honest, that was one where uh, I was running third all race and we made, the, it was in the feature race. We made the pit stop and Stoffel van Dorn had already pitted a couple of laps before. So he got a slight undercut on us. But to be fair, we knew that his pace that day wasn't that great. Pierre was in the lead and shooting off into the distance. But he had a drive shaft failure on the pit exit. So then I've made my stop and caught the back of Stoffel like really nicely. Um, <laughs> I think Sorokin maybe got the jump on us as well or something like that. But I, I felt comfortable with the pace. And I was on the DRS and um, I think there was a back marker as well. And I tried to do both of them. And, you know, a situation where you look back and think, how good did you really think you were? That <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, you've described it perfectly there. But, and the good news is now that that's a full three points for you. So it's a very, right. very strong start. Um, you've beaten Karun Chandok already. <laughs> Poor old Karun. So, uh, oh. right, let's move on. It's another clip for you. Have a listen. Same rules apply. Here we go. Alex, what can we say? Congratulations. Well Brilliant. Stuff. Well done. That's all you get. So who's talking to you and what are they congratulating you about? Was it Ted Kravitz? It was. Yes. Correct. There is someone else there as well. Johnny? Yes. Well done. Correct. And what are they congratulating you about? Uh, I think that was for winning GP3, that one. Yep, smashed it. Yeah. Four houses. Three points in the bag. Okay. Um, now that's the clips done because um, they've just sort of dried up after that. You, uh, you're, not very, you're not very, you're not very vocal on the old team radio. Uh, <laughs> no, I know, I know. Yeah, that's that's. A bit, if you could be a bit more vocal this season, that'd be great because it gets a nice, yeah. juicy clips for the game. Um, okay, question three. Now here's where it probably gets a bit difficult. Um, can you tell us in which positions you finished each of the last six Berlin Formula E races? If you can get half of them. I'll be I'll I'll award you two out of three points. Generous. Okay. It was eighth. Correct. Was yep. the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, fifth. Correct. Second to last. Ninth. Correct. Correct. Now you're at the point. It, it, it gets a bit hazy. Eleventh. Eleventh. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Two more. I want to say 14th and 18th. Oh, the next ones. oh uh, no, but I'm going to give you two and a half points. I was missing 12th place and 17th for the first and third. Okay. So not right. too, I'm going to give you two and a half on that one because that was pretty good <laughs> recollection. Um, okay. Now here's another tough one for you. I like this one. Can you name every driver who has ever raced for Mahindra in Formula E since season one? Again, if you can get, I'm looking for one, two, I'm looking for seven drivers. If you can get four, I'll give you two points. I reckon I, I, reckon I can make it. 
Um, so it starts with Karun and Bruno. Correct. Karun and Bruno, yes. Um, and then Nick Heidfeld. Yeah. Yep. And Bruno stayed, I think. <sighs> he did stay. Yeah. He did. He did. Yeah. But you don't count him again. So you've got Chandok yeah. okay, Senna. Yeah. Chandok Senna Heidfeld. Oliver Rowland's in there somewhere. Yes, yes he is. I thought yeah. you wouldn't get that one. Yeah, yeah. He, Ray, he had a one-off. He had a one-off. And then... So then Felix Rosenquist. Correct. Yes. How many is that? That's six. You're missing, you're missing two. Two more, yeah. So then Jerome. Jerome. Yeah. One more. Pascal. Oh, yeah, there we go. Full house. Full That's house. It. That's it. Full three points. Doing very well indeed. For a bonus point, though, can you tell me in which season did Mahindra achieve their best championship position of third in the final standings? Season three. He's got it straight out of the back. Correct. Brilliant. That is yeah. one bonus point in the back now. Right That's up yeah, there. he did. Quickly do the math. Trouble is, half a point makes a massive difference because our leaderboard is so ridiculously long now. It is, I know, and it's a real shame. It's a real shame, Alex. You know, I'm going to make it 13 because you're from Essex. Because uh, you've, got, you've got 12 points. I'll add an extra one for being from Essex. 13 puts you uh, second just behind oh. your teammate and boss, Dilbag Gill and Alexander Sims. So that's not bad. That's a Mahindra triple row lockout. That's not too shabby. Okay. Shabby. We'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. That, is <laughs> a, that is a positive sign for the uh, the season ahead. Well done, you. Yep. Now, uh, listen, outside of our quiz, obviously, um, is, is there a particular highlight in your career that really stands out? We've talked about some of your, your high points and obviously winning GP3 at such a margin and so on. But can you pinpoint one part of your career that really stands out as your your most celebrated from a personal perspective um for me i think it still is um winning macau in 2013 uh just from what it meant for my career and the trajectory it took after that uh really did change quite a lot for me uh and can you describe a bit what Macau, you know, what that race is like for someone who may not know it? Because obviously it's, it's it's a highlight of the race calendar and it's such a unique event. Yeah, I mean, obviously as a, as a track, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So Macau is a place, um, for those who don't know, is um, it's a small island off of mainland China. Um, I believe it's the only place in Asia, or like the, it's, it's, it's a bit of the Asian version of Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I think there's a crazy stat that Macau in its gambling in the, in, in the casinos turns over like two or three times what Las Vegas does every year, like serious, Ouch, serious yeah. money. Um, it's a huge place um, for basically going there and having a bit of fun. Um, and the circuit is nuts. It's um, yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen it, the circuit's crazy. It's got a really long straight with a couple of kinks, which is pretty easy flat in a Formula 3 car. And then the mountain section, which is exactly what it is, it goes up and down a big uh, big mountain in, in the city, uh, which is very tight and twisty, but super cool. Um, but what makes the, the race so special is it's, it's the culmination of the Formula 3 year. It's always when back then it was the British Championship, the European, the Japanese... The German Championship all came together to race in one field um, and duke it out to be, I think it's like the Formula 3 World Cup winner, what it was officially called. Um, and yeah, it was just a big blue ribbon race for us. But it was always the one that a lot of people looked at to see who would who would win that. Um, and yeah, I was, I was lucky that the, the, the grid that year was pretty strong with some cool names um, and it managed to 
It'd give me a little bit of 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, it's it's a great one to have on your CV. It's it's a mad track, as you say. That that's where um, Sophia uh, Flourish 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 had that horrific. Flourish, where she flew through the air. Do you remember Harry? And she yeah, she I, mean, and yeah. I think she crashed into like a commentary box or something like that. It was an unbelievable crash. Um, and now let's move on to some some of our more highbrow questioning, um, Alex. Um, any hidden talents? Anything you're particularly good at outside of driving a race car? Uh, oh, he's struggling. Look, he's silence he's, is deafening. He's genuinely oh, I struggling. Think, I think uh, I like I like a lot of sport. I do like a lot of sport. Any any sport, I'd back myself in. To be honest, actually, other than golf, golf's not my thing. What about um, yeah. what about racket sports? Are you only good at racket sports? I love a bit of racket sport. I love tennis. Do you play squash? I do play squash. It's not my. It's probably third after badminton and tennis. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put it out there that um, I. I need a. I need a squash challenge. So any racing drivers, Alex or others, if you're up for a game of squash after lockdown, just let me up. I. I need a challenge. I. I back myself at squash. I feel like I. I reckon I could beat most people who aren't professional at squash. I'm just putting it out there. Just chucking it out. See where that squash ball lands. No one's going to answer that. But. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's, uh, I, I don't back down. Really. <laughs> ah, you see, these racing drivers—they're a competitive breed. You see, uh, it's, it's hard not to not to take it out to it. I feel a uh, I feel a motormouth video coming on, um, recorded live. Yeah, <laughs> this live stream a squash match between me and Alex Lynn. See how we get on. Actually, you you had the football on earlier. Are you are you an Arsenal supporter? I am, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, that's 14 points for you then. Um, yeah, yeah. So you go straight to the top. So you're welcome <laughs> for that one. Um, top of the leaderboard, great. Well, carrying on with... So I assume you... F- f- was was being a football player ever on the cards? No, I was never really that good. Um, oh, okay. I mean, to be honest, if you'd have seen me in the school playground, obviously I was Thierry Henry. Yeah, um, weren't we all? But yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, no, I was always in goal. Terry Henry. Henry. Six foot five, oh, really? is always going to be the one in goal. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, now we've done hidden talents, uh, sort of. Um, what are you awful at? Like just terrible. Singing, artistic, anything artistic, drawing, uh, singing, anything like that. Uh, dancing. Uh, yeah, I feel that that is really. Yeah, I need to really step away from the dance. <laughs> step away from the. Not going to see you on Strictly anytime <laughs> oh, soon. God, no, that is. <laughs> No, I'd embarrass myself in front of <laughs> um, I've got to ask this one because it went down so, um, frankly, brilliantly with um, with one of our last guests. Um, if, if you were an animal, what would you be and why? And the only reason I'm bringing this question out again is because um, we we had it with um, one of our previous um, guests and uh, and it turned out she she would be a cow because, as Harry enlightened me, they, they, they sort of become attached to you and you can cuddle them and lie down with them and have a little snuggle. Is there a particular animal you, you would see yourself as? I like that you're thinking about this, by the way. Now, contractually, you're not allowed to say jaguar, I presume. So, <laughs> yeah, uh... I imagine. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so if, so... if a jaguar driver goes, that would be terrible. Yeah, yeah. Now. <laughs> um, my favourite animal is an orangutan. Oh, very good. Very yeah. good. Very good. Orangutan. Uh, have you ever met one in real life? In Borneo or something like that? I tell you what, it, it's a bit of a dream of mine to go see them in uh, in Borneo. Um, I sponsored one in Colchester Zoo. Well actually, done. Very admirable. For a while. Well done. Yep. They are very cool nice. creatures. They are cool creatures. And that Borneo is the place to go and see them. I think it's called Sepilok or something like that. There's a 
There's a, an orangutan sanctuary, um, and it is um, amazing. I went there years ago. Um, I did. I did. Yeah, it, it is actually amazing. Um, but it, but the only thing is with it that it's um, you sort of think you're going into the the jungle, at which you are, but it is very much a tourist attraction. You know, they they're kind of oh, wild, right. but not really. Um, okay. But um, but still, they are amazing creatures to see. They're they're freaking huge. Um, but um, that's a good one. I like that one. We've had a cow and an orangutan. That's, that's superb. Um, sl- slightly more serious question for you. And any um, any hero? Who, who was your hero growing up? Was it a racing driver? Was it someone else? Was it someone in your family? Did you did you have someone that you really idolised? Uh, I would say the two people I did was my father and Michael Schumacher in a racing sense. Um, for me, I like. But I, I think I loads of. I think people in my gen or young young drivers in in my generation would would probably say Michael because I think when we were growing up he was dominating everything. But for me it was that the way he dominated it was just there was something so cool about his ruthlessness and you know never never giving up. And for me that that was something that I really uh, loved watching. Um, yeah, so I'd say those two, my dad and Michael Schumacher. Nice, Very awesome. nice. Now we'll uh, we end all of our shows with uh, with the final three questions that we ask to all our guests. It's just quite nice to um, to see how how everybody answers. Um, so shall I kick off, Tim, or do you? Yep. Want to yeah, yeah, go one? for it, go for it. Uh, so Alex, what's got you excited at this very moment in time? For Marie, mm-hmm. um, I mean, for me, it's that is really exciting. I mean, obviously, given everything that's going on, I feel very lucky that I'm someone who has really just got a goal in mind and can just focus on something um, given all of the noise that goes on around us. Uh, I do feel really excited about that and, and I do realise I'm lucky to to have that such, such a focus and something so cool to be able to focus on. Yeah, no, good answer. It's hugely exciting. Um, if not doing what you're doing, what do you think you would be doing? Um, I do believe I'd love to be involved in sport in any way. Um I was never really that good at school or didn't listen really at school. So from my side, it needed to try and be um, sport involved. But I think as time has gone on, I've really enjoyed the intricacies of how a team works. Um, So, yeah, on what role that would be going forward, I'm not sure. Yeah, actually, I was going to ask, I was going to throw in just one more thing there. uh, When it comes to retirement, and I appreciate that's a long way off for you still, but... Have you thought what might, what the long term might look like? Do you have any sort of business um, aspirations? Um, I do. I feel like I'd keep them a bit a bit secret before I get anywhere near. Because I feel like once you say it, it's a bit like oh, I don't know. Because like, like you said, I feel so far away from it. Yeah. But mm. I do feel like I'd struggle to step away from a, a, a competitive environment or certainly a cutthroat business. A bit like racing is or sport is in general so yeah from that side i've i've noticed in myself that i don't want to lose that element of my i love that part of my life and waking up every morning feeling so motivated yeah that that's something i really like well if you've got a business idea tom blonkvist is looking to invest so um (laughs) i'd hit him up We had him on the last show, and he said in his spare time he likes to invest in things. Why have, so, why have we not tapped him up yet? We need we need the yeah, money. Tap him up. Send him send him a deck and yeah. uh, see what he says. Yeah, I will. Why don't I see his logo in the corner? Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. That, that, that this was the sponsor read. So just we want to say thanks to Tom Blomqvist and everybody at the Blomqvist <laughs> Association. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, final question for you, though, Alex. Um, what are you scared of? 
I am scared of not maximizing everything that I have. Mm. I think that is like a, a bit, yeah, to, to sort of half on from what I said earlier, I think I really want to maximize the career I've been given and the chances I've been given. Um, so in the immediate future, I wouldn't say it's, uh, I think, yeah, probably scared of not maximizing the season I've got ahead of me. Yeah. It's something I really feel very motivated to make sure I nail it actually that's, that's yeah. about it <laughs> yeah well we're so so excited to see how you get on um, this season with Mahindra full season under your belt as well and with a great you know big team now as you say in these new cars it's going to look absolutely amazing um, and it's great to have another Essex lad on the show as well Wee. so uh, Alex Lynn, thank you so much for coming on to the Motormouth podcast cheers Alex thanks so much guys it's been really fun before you go one final reminder to check out the team at Grid Rival the place to be for the 2021 motorsport season if you think you really know your F1 and MotoGP fancy yourself and making a bit of extra cash setting up your own or joining a fantasy league and making sure you have the best driver lineups for each race all whilst getting access to the best motorsport content and chatting to like-minded fans then grid rival is the place for you leagues go live at the end of february so make sure you're at the front of the queue by getting notified as soon as they're ready by heading over to their website gridrival.com or download their app from your selected app store and get prepped for a brand new season of motorsport with grid rival thank you so much for listening to the motormouth podcast do make sure you give us a follow on our socials twitter at motormouth under Score Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and Facebook just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.